Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, boys and girls, here we are in message number three in this series called Overcoming Bad Decisions. Man, I'm going to tell you what, I just don't know if you realize how much this can help you and how much peace this particular series can bring to your life. You know, it, uh, those of you who have followed me for a very long, you, you've heard me talk about this before, how that the heart seeks to preserve your identity while the brain or the mind seeks to preserve your ego. Now, your ego is the your false identity. And so the primary way your mind preserves your false identity is by always trying to convince you that you're right. You know, uh, you can make up your mind about something and you get to where you can't even perceive the facts that contradict this delusion that you've got going on. You can decide that, uh, that you saw something and uh, you will come to believe that you saw something that you actually never saw. You know, the other day I was, I was uh, thinking about some research that I wanted to do and I was trying to, I was trying to slip back in, into my mind because I, I wasn't sure where I had stored this research or how I had stored this research. So I started thinking, well, maybe I could just go back to a book that I was reading where I got a lot of this research from. So I'm, so I'm, I'm starting to think about reading this book and getting this information. And, you know, I began to see the first part of it. I saw myself lying down on a couch reading. Well, in fact, when I was doing that research, I was lying on a couch reading. And... Uh, but as I, as I tried to remember this, I began to develop this picture of me laying on a couch that I owned in 1975 in a house that I lived in in 1975. And I didn't even have that book back then. I wasn't even doing that type of research back then. And it was so amazing. And I really just let it play out. I wanted to see how far my own mind would take me. I'm telling you, I had a graphic, realistic memory of something that never actually happened. You know, there's been a lot of experiments done about this where, uh, where uh, you will have conversations with people and, uh, and you will start leading them and slowly into accepting something uh, that never happened to them. Years ago, I used to work with a counselor, and this counselor was really effective in some areas. But this counselor uh, had the deep conviction that most people, especially females, problems came from one particular source. And so uh, she would not come out and just say, this happened to you. But she would have conversations with people that would lead them into creating false memories. And science shows that you can create false memories. You know, this is one of the reasons in working uh, with developing heart physics coaches 
that uh, you, I warned them over and over and over and over again about how to use these tools because the real truth is, if you, even when you don't realize you're doing it, you can lead people to remember things that actually never, ever, ever happened to them. And so, so the point is, once you've decided something has happened, then the brain and the mind, of course, you know, the brain is just where all the chemical uh, uh, interactions take place. The, 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 real, the real thoughts actually take place in the mind. So you think with your mind. So the mind, once you decide something has happened or once you decide something is true or something has been done or someone has offended you, then your mind can literally take you to the place where you will have false memories about it and you will absolutely believe you're, you're truthful. You'll absolutely believe that you're dealing with it. Well, why does it do that? Why does your mind do that? Well, it's because for most of us, our, our, we don't have self-worth that's based on a heart-to-heart -heart relationship with God. So in order to feel good about ourselves, we just have to be right. And so our mind is always taking us down that path. Now, and I, you know, we'll talk about it later in this series about how to break free from uh, false memories. Uh, that, and those false memories, they just are designed to make you believe that you're right about something. So many times, we will make a decision in our lives and uh, there's a lot of sometimes that decision is a thoughtful decision it's something where we go study we gather in, uh, information but the problem is we we assess that information in a way to facilitate something we have already decided to believe sometimes we will just have some kind of an, of an experience somewhere I mean, there's all kinds of ways we can come up with, with reaching some kind of an opinion and before long creating memories that falsely support that memory. And so we do this when we make bad decisions and when our life starts to fall apart. You know, the Bible says that, that the foolish, foolishness of a man perverts his way but in his heart, he blames God. I think the King James says he frets against God. He blames God, even though even though the real truth is it, his, it is his own foolishness. Well, what is foolishness? Well, in the book of Proverbs, uh, among the many concepts of foolishness, the, one of the most consistent ones presented is that a fool is someone who will not be taught by instruction. The fool needs to be right for any number of reasons. It can be because they're lazy. It can be because they're greedy. It can be because they're insecure. It can be because, because they want to justify wicked actions. Who knows? There's all, all of these reasons that a foolish person needs to be right. One of the key things is, is I need to be right to protect my uh, failing self-worth and to find, justify the pleasure that I think I'm going to get out of my foolish decisions. So the problem is we make a bad decision and then somehow we delete from our mind the fact that we made that decision and we start down a path. This is why if you do not learn to develop your heart, to have a heart connection with God, then you will uh, always be led down a path where you, where you have to be right. Now, I'm not just talking about have to be right in the sense of professionally, you know, that can happen, but I'm just talking about you have to be right. You have to believe all of your decisions are right. You have to justify yourself. You, you know, uh, however, 
in whatever you're doing. So anyhow, what, what, one of the exercises that, that, you know, that we'll talk to you about, we won't do it so much in this session, but when we get there, one of the exercises we're going to talk about is how to break out of that pattern uh, of relying on your mind instead of following your heart. And so, so we, will, we will talk about that. But today we're talking about get the rock out of your shoe. And I know that may sound kind of funny to you, but actually that's exactly what you have to do. See, once we make a bad decision, uh, it's like uh, getting a rock in your shoe. I tell you, I get so frustrated. You know, I walk my dog pretty much every, every morning. And, um, and so, you know, uh, I'm wearing tennis shoes. And, and many times, particularly in the summer, you know, I'm just, I'm just wearing little footy socks, you know, because I don't want a big old sock sticking up and making my feet hot. So get a little, one of those little, little blue socks so my feet don't get too hot when I'm walking. But man, you know what's so aggravating about those things is that while I'm walking, little gravel or little twigs might fall down in that, in that sock. And you know it, it. It you know it starts out as a discomfort, but if you don't get that, if you don't get that little pebble out of your shoe, pretty soon it's going to become very painful. It's going. It, it, it could get a sore. It could. You could end up getting something that gets infected. You know. I mean, they're just. It just gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And you know, you, sometimes you just think, well, I, I'll just. I don't want to go to the trouble to take my shoe off. It won't be that bad. I'll, you know, by the time I get home, it'll all be good. And uh, by the time you get home, you got you've got a bad sore on your foot. Well, that's kind of the way it is when we make a bad decision, but we don't ever free ourselves from that bad decision. Now we talked about this last week, and I want to go a little bit more into this because this is this is crucial to getting to the place to where you can actually overcome a bad decision. Now, like I said, like I said in our previous message, the the problem in making a bad decision is really not that it's so difficult to work out with God. You know, Jesus has already died for every sin you ever have committed, every sin you're ever, ever going to commit, and you can enter into that. I'm, you know, uh, I'm not into universalism. I'm not saying it's like Jesus has paid for the sins for everybody, but not everybody is going to get saved. They, we have to enter into those things, and we always do that by faith, and then having the experience of grace or the power of God working in us. But uh, we have to make that decision. We have to uh, enter into that. But what I'm, what I'm, so I'm saying here is, since Jesus has already paid for your sins, and since since he is not ashamed of us, and since he's all whenever whenever we find ourselves in trouble, the book of Hebrews tells us in our time of need to come before the throne of grace, where we receive mercy and grace. You know, mercy is where we're treated better than we deserve. Mercy is is where we're experiencing the loving kindness of God, but grace is where we're experiencing the power to overcome the problem. Jesus is always ready for us to come and experience mercy and grace in any situation. So, but where we really get twisted up is the fact that uh, even when God has forgiven us, usually people haven't forgiven us. And we talked about the fact that, that uh, you know, there, uh, there's all these different reasons that people want to hold your faults against you. Sometimes, sometimes they 
think that if they're kind to you or merciful to you, that that's like showing approval, that, you, that they approve of what you've done wrong. Well, if that's the case, then the fact that God forgives us for our sins would say that God approves of our sin. Well, God doesn't approve of our sin. The idea that kindness equates approval is just absolutely idiotic. But that's what we've kind of been led to believe. Sometimes people want to hold on and talk about your faults because it makes them feel better about themselves by putting other people down. We talked about that. Sometimes, and we talked about this, sometimes people want to keep airing out your failures as vengeance, as some way to get even with you for whatever it is that, that, uh, uh, they're comparing themselves to you. You know, I, I you know, I, I've gone through this several times. You know, there, and I'm fortunate. I haven't had a lot of major calamities in my in my life and in my ministry. But I'm telling you what. Anytime I was in a situation that came became somewhat challenging, one of the things that happened is the people who were jealous of my of my ministry, of my success, of my life, man, they came out of the woodwork. As a matter of fact, I went through a period of years where a group of ministry, uh, ministers here in my hometown and in this area, I'm telling you, they lied about me. And I've always told people, you know, I've done, I, I've, I've done enough idiotic things in my life. You can tell the truth. You don't have to, you don't have to make something up. So it always amazed me that people would lie. And, uh, Back during that time, you know, I was getting invited to preach with some of the biggest ministries in America. And, uh, you know, I wasn't seeking this out. I wasn't self-promoting. I just had a reputation. You know, I got results in meetings. I started getting invitations and opportunities. So every time I would get a, a, an invitation to go speak for one of these big name guys, or every time I would a big church would want me to come in and speak, these guys would write a letter trying to get that person not to have me to speak in their meetings or not to have me speak at their church. Well, you know, the real truth is there was only ever one time that they succeeded in getting the person to not allow me to speak. And that person was so afraid that they would cause so much controversy that he just decided he didn't, he didn't want to have to deal with, you know, a bunch of angry preachers trying to make trouble. But this, this went on actually for a few years. And, and, you know, Brenda and I just made up our mind. We were not going to fight against them. You know, we were just going to live our lives. We were going to do what we were going to do. And, you know, if they stopped us from, from being accepted somewhere, that's all right. We just keep going. Just do what we do. Well, it was really interesting. I, I mean, this went on for years. And finally, they all kind of started softening up. So one night I get a phone call from one of them. He says, listen, can we talk for a minute? I said, well, sure. He said, "Look, I just, I just want you to forgive me. I'm so sorry, you know, for what, for what we have done to you." And uh, he said, but, "But I just need to tell you something." He said, "You need to understand why all of these guys hate you, and they do hate you." And I said, "Well, okay, if you think it's important." He said, "He said all of us, you know, we all started out about the same time. We all sat around and talked about our goals and dreams." He said, but all we ever did was talk and you went out and did those things. You went all over the world. You were having crusades everywhere. You were writing books. You were doing all this stuff. And the real truth is, he said, we were just angry and jealous because you actually lived your dreams 
while we just talked about our dreams. You know what? Jealousy will drive people. Man, when they get a jealous person gets something on you, I'm telling you what, they're going to hang it out for the entire world to, to see. And another, another thing, many times, is this is an opportunity for them to gain power and influence uh, by, you know, spread, spreading rumors about you and this sort of thing. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, it's really interesting. I'm just looking for this scripture here. It says, um, uh, where is this? Uh, basically, the, the scripture talks about people. We'll, we'll talk about this actually, I think, next week. It talks about people who, who cover sins will prosper, and people who repeat a matter uh, actually divide friends. And so, you know, love, or, or the scripture I'm talking about says, says that love causes people to cover sins. Covering sins doesn't mean we're covering up for you. It doesn't mean we're trying to let you get by with something. Covering means, means we're going to protect you so you can get recovered and get help. And, but we're also going to protect the innocent so that they do not get hurt by seeing a bunch of things that they shouldn't see and hear, even if those things are, even if those things are true. You know, one of the most interesting people that turned against King David was his, was his personal advisor, uh, uh, whose name was Ahithophel. Now, Ahithophel sided with Absalom against David. And, of course, David was Absalom's father. And uh, so Ahithophel, and it says in one place that Ahithophel, that his counsel was like the word of God. It just didn't fall to the ground. It pretty much always worked out, pretty much always came to pass. So Absalom sent for Ahithophel because he knew if he had the backing of somebody who had this kind of respect, uh, that it would give him great influence. So it says, And the conspiracy grew strong, for the people with Absalom continually increased in number. So this is Proverbs 79 uh, that I was mentioning. He who covers a transgression seeks love, uh, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. I'm telling you, whether it's through foolishness or intention, people who gossip and slander, and you know, like they, they take the high, they, they try to take the high roads. There was not gossip, if if it's true. Well, no, it is still gossip. It's true, and the Bible says, you know, that that the lips of a gossip or a slander hates the person that they're talking about. And so it's always, it's, you know, I've always found that the people who sow discord and who slander and who repeat things. They're usually committing, from a biblical perspective, a more destructive sin than the person that they're talking about because they are dividing people. They're creating division in the body of Christ and all that kind of stuff. Now, there is a movement today, and it's been around for the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, that, that indicates that Christians shouldn't repent, shouldn't have to repent, that since all of our sins are already forgiven, you know, that we don't repent. Well, the problem is they don't have a, they're not using a biblical concept of repentance because repentance is really where we make a new decision, where we look back and we realize that whatever decision that we make that set us on this course, that that decision is the problem. And we, and we accept the fact that that decision had consequences and all of this persecution that's coming on, all of this, this loss of favor that is surrounding me 
is really not a, a bunch of judgmental mean people, even though they may be, but, but I have to accept the fact that I started this whole ball rolling by the decisions that I have made. So repentance is the ability to make a decision that will change the course of your life. Now, here's the amazing thing. Every time we make a decision, and I, I, maybe I'll get to go into this a little bit later on. I can't go into it too much today. But every time we make a decision inwardly, and externally, it change, literally changes the energy that is driving our life. It changes the energy that's driving our metabolism. It changes the energy that, that determines how, how much strength that we have, physical strength, literally. It changes the energy that's working around us and how we influence people. So, so repentance is not just a religious thing and by the way repentance is not groveling it's not begging repentance is where we change our mind but in the hebrew language the concept of repentance is about turning into toward god it's not just the fact that i'm going to change my mind that's the that's that's the starting place is renewing our mind but it, it i'm changing my mind for the express purpose of I want to lean into god i want to rely on god i want to wrap myself around God. Now, now, many, many decisions uh, are changed because we, we have a confrontation. And here's the thing about confrontation. Confrontation reveals and separates the wise from the foolish because the wise will rejoice in a godly Correction, godly confrontation. The fools will rail against it. They'll fight against it. They will, you know, they will make trouble. They'll stir up strife and distress, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, because we're living in this age of victims, anytime you confront a person, the first thing that's going to come out of their mind is, you're judging me, you're judging me, you're judging me. No, judgment is when I try to determine good and evil because I'm assuming to know what's in your heart. I'm, and, uh, uh, you know, identifying a fact and calling it out is not judgment. So when, the, when David had committed this sin with Bathsheba and had arranged for, for her husband uh, to be killed in battle uh, to cover up his sin because, because, remember, she'd gotten pregnant. So in 2 Samuel 12, 1, it says, Then the Lord sent Nathan, Nathan was a prophet, to David, and he came to him and said to him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich uh, to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. In other words, in other words, a visitor showed up to this to this rich man's house, and the rich man wasn't willing to kill any of his flock to feed this person that had come. But instead, it says he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Verse 5 says, David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. He said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this, I surely die, and he shall restore fourfold to the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan the prophet said, well, David, uh, this man is you. 
And uh, thus says the Lord God, I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hands of Saul. I gave you your master's house, your master's wives into keeping and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have also given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do this evil thing? And uh, we're going to talk about verse 15 later. Uh, but uh, so it says, so David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sins, so you shall not die. However, because of this deed, uh, you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme the child who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed to his house. Now, so David's response was the response of a wise man. And a wise man, when they, you know, when they're snapped to their senses, they are going to confess and they are going to repent. Now, a person who will not confess and a person who will not repent is a foolish man. And remember, the foolish man, he stirs up trouble in his own house. The foolish man uh, destroys his ways and makes horrible decisions and then blames God for the consequence. A foolish man, when he is confronted with his, with his deeds, uh, uh, attacks everybody else and defends himself, blames other people, blames shit. You know, uh, <clears throat> I had a situation just recently with someone and uh, they had crossed the line really morally. This person was, uh, you know, was in the ministry. And, uh, you know, I didn't judge the person. I didn't attack the person. I just said, this is what you have done. This is unacceptable for a minister. And, uh, and, and I said to them what I said to almost everybody in this case, I said, think this through. Don't, don't contact me immediately. You think this through and we will talk about it. Well, of course, what nearly always happens is you get fired back, uh, uh, you know, an email saying, you're judging me, you're attacking me, and, and they justify this. And what that tells me is I'm dealing with a fool. I'm dealing with a person that is unteachable. I'm dealing with a person that doesn't want to bring the truth into their life. I'm dealing with a person who wants to find a way to be right, even though they'll, it'll never bring what they want in their life. Well, it's really interesting. The word confess in the Old Testament, and we're going to get into confession in this series some more, but the word confess in the Old Testament actually presents the concept of taking hold of a rock so that you can throw it away. In other words, it's like when, when I'm out walking my dog and I realize there's this irritation there. I realize that there's this discomfort there. Confession is not me... Uh, you know, going on and on and on and on and on about all the ways I've messed up. Confession is a process that God has given us where you take, you pull that rock out of your shoe, you take it in your hand and you throw it away. And so the whole concept of confession and repentance is about moving beyond the problem. It's not about focusing on the problem. It's not about continually, continually uh, uh, talking about and rehearsing and, and all of your sins. One of the things that you're going to understand about confession and repentance is, is that it is a change of mind that gets you in touch with God and gets you in touch with the best decision that you can now make to overcome whatever it is that you're facing. So trust me, we're going to be going there. But the main thing is, if you will not receive a rebuke from your own conscience, 
If you will not receive a rebuke or correction from your friends, if you will not receive instruction from the people that you say are teachers and mentors in your life, then you are going to live like a fool. You're going to stay in this. And, and, the, and the problem is you are going to repeat whatever your failure is. You're going to do this over and over and over and over again until it totally destroys you. Listen, be sure and check out my series on overcoming bad decisions. I'm telling you, it's going to take you step by step. It's going to give you exercises that you can use. And be sure and share this with friends, like it. Do everything you can to get this word out to everybody that you know, because I'm telling you what, we want to help people come out of their failures. We want to help people come out of their sin, not stay in it, not wallow in it. So listen, I'll talk to you again next week. Look forward to it. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.